0: hey guys and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast um it's been a jam-packed year thus far um i did promise you guys that we would have a guest on this week's podcast unfortunately we've had to delay a little bit um due to circumstances especially in the eastern cape unfortunately our wi-fi and uh, a lot of the signal especially with the terrible winds we've been having lately has caused a little bit of a delay um obviously our skype interview wasn't wasn't um wasn't up for the schedule but anyway uh, we are we we're not going to stop like I said I promised earlier this year that I'll be trying to do as many of these podcasts as possible because it's just what I love doing um, but I do realize <laughs> there was a couple of complaints on the last episode that my intro is a little bit too long but unfortunately there have been some wonderful companies and associations that had have donated towards this week's podcast so bear with me as we get through them And this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Right to Bear. Safety first, get protected. Responsibility is in your hands and your loved ones with the best self-defense association in the country. We have wonderful packages custom designed to your needs. Visit www.protectwithbear.com Next up, some of the more Ideal tights I have been using in the in the market for the past couple of weeks is Stocko. More activity, less pain. Meet the latest tights in the K-Line fleet. Introducing the K1 Summit and the K1 Flux. Guys, these tights have been wonderful, especially as far as recovery is concerned. And especially with myself, been having a lot of um, rugby injuries. These have been outstanding out in the bush. And as well as my days off for recovery. Next up. Is Stanley, Stanley1913.com. Help provide meals for kids this back-to-school season. We're donating five dollars from every product sold on the Stanley1913.com to leave no kid hungry. Up to the value of fifty thousand dollars. This is an incredible initiative, and um, Stanley have really. D- Up their game as far as products is concerned i've been very very happy with the um, ice flow sipper cup that i have been using as far as the gym's concerned and i've been incredibly impressed with how wonderful the double side vacuum seals have been working uh, holding my water extremely cold for some time then of course the two last but not least uh, they're kind of becoming a regular on the podcast utando safaris africa from a hunter's perspective visit www.tutandasafaris.com to find out (laughs) more.com. Yes, (laughs) didn't sound right. www.tutandasafaris.com to find out more, custom make your packages for your next safari experience. The price list is downloadable in a PDF form. Remember, we are selling experiences. Come and experience Africa like never before. And then last but not least, of course, the one and only PH Toolbox, helping you make your own adventure. Guys, the PH Toolbox has opened the PH program until the end of the year. So if you feel that you are an outdoor enthusiast and you can contribute to the PH Toolbox in any shape, way, or form, please head along to www.phtoolbox.co.za. This is unfortunately only open to South African residents. However, if you would like to support PH journals as far as my podcast is concerned, Or by purchasing any one of the PH Journal's heavy um, merchandise, you will be donating all proceeds. So all the profit from the PH Journals will be donated to conservation and rhino poaching. Specifically, I would like to speak about the PH Journal's Heavyweight Crew T-shirt, as well as the Heavyweight Women's PH Journal's um, shirt. And then finally, the PH Journal's Africa edition. These three shirts have been uh, manufactured across the world as far as the United States, Europe, and, of course, Australia is concerned now. So now these shirts will become available within three days of ordering to any one of those three countries mentioned. Um, We've partnered with a distribution company in all three of those um, continents, and they will be distributing our product across the range. So unfortunately, just for now, as we speak, PH Journal's heavyweight crew neck t-shirt heavyweight women's ph journals and the ph journals africa t-shirt so if you guys would like to go and support myself the podcast and as well as conservation and hunting head along to www.ph to find out more well guys a little bit longer than expected but i've just been so fortunate to have such wonderful brands come on the show and i'm feeling extremely blessed so without further ado Let's get into this week's podcast. Hey guys, so yeah, uh, this week's podcast is a little bit of an interesting one. This question was brought up uh, probably some time ago. I'm, I'm almost going back two years. I think I have touched a little bit on it, especially this season as far as the fellow deer is concerned. But what does, wh- what is the, um, how does the South African market benefit from, from having exotics? So firstly, to open the discussion, we need to identify what is an exotic, um, what cl- what classifies as an exotic, and then secondly, how, how are we going to be handling these sort of situations? So firstly, an exotic, for me personally, I believe that an exotic is anything f- of the African continent. Roan, sable, uh, black rhino, well, in some parts of South Africa, black rhino, um, as well as, you know, like tetsubi, that sort of stuff, have been introduced into some parts of South Africa, just purely on a, con- a conservation purpose. And this is a wonderful initiative, because, like, unfortunately, South Africa doesn't have much control, from more of their northern, um, upper northern countries uh so <clears throat> trying to focus and, and manage those herds down here in, to help that the ex, the species doesn't become extinct and of course i think i personally honestly believe that south africa has got a better platform for me um educating people more on a conservation uh point going forward so it's a very interesting one for me and uh yeah it's, it's one that i've taken to heart but a couple of outfitters and a couple of safari companies in South Africa have got pure exotics, such as access deer, red deer, um, hog deer, uh, what's to, scimitar horned oryx, uh, which is still an African, uh, species, um, and it's actually part of satis at the moment. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of them more, uh, there's like four horned sheep, there's a couple of goats, um, I know there's a few places that I've got ibexes as far as Nubian ibexes are concerned or uh, uh, Arabian ibexes I think they they well known um yeah so anyway that's just to touch base on some of the, the exotic species water buffalo so for me I personally think that the way this kind of happened was never people have said I read a couple of articles that have said that South Africa had a bit of a trade agreement, as far as some species is concerned. Some species were bought here uh, to look after the the, um, the settlers that came in, and and that is true. That is true to a certain point. If we look at look back at the fellow deer, the fellow deer only recently were just listed or acknowledged as one of an African species um you get the African fellow deer now as far as I'm aware um I did try and find that online but I couldn't find it anywhere um so yeah you know there's there's still that whole debate about why the the fellow deer were brought over here Uh, if you guys want to find out more head along to that podcast I think was done at the start of the season um yeah well my my one is my, my personal opinion is that it was brought over uh, to supplement sailors and individuals on the long cruise ships over where, you know, the iron levels and, and of course, boat-borne diseases were um, were prominent in, inside the ships and stuff. So they needed something, uh, they needed protein, rich in iron, rich in certain um, values. And, of course, fellow deer being venison, uh, highly rich in, in iron and stuff so so kind of supplemented them on the on the ships coming over Then once they got here you know it's kind of the only species they really were familiar with so they tried to domesticate them but obviously as they broke out and um, explored South Africa a lot of them adapted and have ultimately done extremely wonderful yeah so yeah that's just my personal opinion on the whole thing but as far as all the other stuff is concerned um let's have a look at it so if you're looking at the european countries um and their specific uh, uh, species that 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 are introduced into south africa there's one way that's very um popular or it's kind of the best way to sum it up i personally think that zoos never had a good um program Therefore, a lot of breeding was done within the zoos. And this 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 goes against everything that I believe. Um, let me just start off by saying that I'm not a fan at all of any zoo. Um, I do believe there's a market for them, but it just, for me, it encourages um, captive breeding, um, that sort of stuff. It's just, it's, it's not a wonderful setup. And I just believe that with the amount of land and... Um, safari institutions, not only in Africa, but across the world, there's more than enough space to educate and share safaris with people across the world and educate them on different species and stuff. However, this will mean that you're going to have to get um, exotics in to if you would like the public to be educated about certain species. For instance, Pablo Escobar bought the hippo and the zebras and all that sort of stuff. And now we, <clears throat> as far as I believe, I know they've flooded uh, some parts of, of uh, south america as far as in the rivers and stuff and there's a couple of people that have been now summoned to go out and and eradicate the species because it's invasive so yeah so to 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 clar- clarify everything i personally believe that it's been bad management from the zoo's perspective and they've kind of overpopulated in the zoos and without euthanizing them they realized that they could keep their doors open by selling the excess animals so things like abexes access deer all those sort of things that were brought over to be placed into zoos to educate the public have now gone into safari companies and they have used it to their advantage of course which is not a bad thing I'm, i'm all for it because i fully am aware if controlled properly that um those sort of species those um external species from africa have got an important part to play in this food chain now that we've kind of created meaning that everybody that came over that comes over to south africa on a regular basis like they say once Africa's in your blood it never stops being in your blood you just want to keep getting over here it allows for people that are shot x amounts of species yeah especially filling most of their lists up springback slams spiral horde slams whatever the case may be And therefore, it's just adding them on a second option, what they can eventually have a look at. However, if you look at history, invasive species is never a good thing to have. You look at different parts of North America, as far as the feral hog is concerned, as well as Australia. Australia having some issues now with domesticated cats turning feral. Um so and then of course foxes and all that sort of stuff so you know it's 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 one thing to say that these are good uh for the economy but is it good for our wildlife is it good for um lands is it good for the farmer is it good for all these sort of things i mean if we if we start introducing european boars and i know there are some places that have started doing that um the damaging effect the not the domino effect if if that gets out of control will be massively damaging for South African economy. So although at the moment we're benefiting off of it, in the future if you look at it realistically and things do get out of control, unfortunately this is not going to be something we will be able to control. No matter how many hunters we get over here, no matter how many helicopters we have in the air to try and eradicate these sort of things, as as much as we've seen from the North American um, counterparts, they they're struggling i mean texas and and those sort of places uh, i know hog hunting out of a helicopter was one of the fastest growing hunt, uh, forms of hunting in when did i go over to dallas was 2017 i think no yes 2017 which is incredible i mean the step that they've taken to to try and help you know eradicate the the problem as well by making a little bit of money out of it and yet they i mean you you see videos on the internet of these people trapping 20 30 hogs at a time getting rid of them and it's still not even putting a pin drop in the ocean over there so you know from from a realistic point of view let's let's be let's be wary of what we've got i know there's a lot of farmers with uh, small camped off areas and stuff um, and they do allow a little bit of hunting on them Um, but making sure that your farm is equipped 100% to hold these animals is incredibly important. So as far as exotics is concerned, there's a misconception uh, with the color variation. Where does this hold as far as exotics and the the conversation we're actually having today? Well, personally, I don't think it has a place um, because I think certain uh color variances uh do belong uh others not so much i mean uh the king's wildebeest and all that sort of stuff <laughs> not the king's sorry the royal i can't remember it was a pure white one i just thought you know things are just getting completely out of control and and the perspective of africa is kind of being lost um but yeah, that, that's that's a discussion for a different day. As far as the color variance is concerned, however, I can comfortably say that hunting of exotics brought in two point six million dollars in 2017 to South Africa, which is a significant amount of money if you look at it from the bigger picture. However, however, compared to the two hundred or, or whatever I can't remember, 200, 000, 200 million dollars are bought a couple uh, um throughout the whole industry 2.6 is just a mere one percent of that so you know you really if we had to compare apples with apples yes does it have a place a very very small place in the industry and what 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 ultimately are we benefiting from it well there's two things of course the economy benefits in a small way and then secondly education I think with a world that is so connected at the moment, um, educating one another with physical looking, touching, smelling, seeing is something of a rare value. So So to be able to take your daughter or your child out into these institutions, these safari companies, and educate them with a North American species or a European species as they can feel, touch, smell these pacific animals is something very very special and unique and i think it's kind of getting lost as the world gets more and more uh, connected is because these things aren't being valued as much however it does take away from the sense myself personally to go over to europe and go on a europe you know uh, a united kingdom photographic safari because number one I wouldn't know where to start. I don't. I wonder if there's any institutions that do it. I know there's a lot of hunting camps, um, but number two, you know, having a rodeo in your sights and something something like that is special, but it's not significant because we can see a couple of people online on the you know having a shot at at a rodeo or seeing it go through the land. So it's kind of lost that impact. And and that's what worries me, especially with the connection um, with this whole VAR and uh, uh, virtual reality um, movement that's happening, especially during lockdown. I mean, I I heard there was a couple of companies that came out with uh, this virtual reality safaris and that sort of stuff, which is wonderful. But is it not doing more damage than, than not? So, Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, there's this there's this very delicate balance between having the correct species, um, what benefit it plays as far as the economy is concerned, and and when I mean economy, you you know ultimately I want to I want an institution or an industry to create as many jobs as possible. So that's what I mean, and by having these these unique. Um, breeds uh takes caring you know you you need people to check fences so there's there's job opportunities there you need people to feed them on a regular basis special diets that sort of stuff because ultimately our food um our grazing our browsing is not going to be the same as a european or north american side of things however there are some species that do really really well and there's some that don't, they do need supplementation as far as pellets and all that sort of stuff is concerned, so the knock-on effect is huge, so as far as the economy goes, it is it is a benefit, and as far as, you know, conservation goes, uh, you know, I kind of see it as like, like a catch-22 at the moment, it's it's pretty decent because you're inviting a lot of people coming over Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know in South Africa you can shoot, some parts of south africa you can shoot access to here for i think it's a thousand five hundred dollars or something like that um, i don't think they get as big as what the guys get in texas and stuff but i know texas prices are upwards of three three thousand dollars which is a significant pass price difference i mean you can fly over shoot one and fly back for almost the same price as what you're going to be able to shoot one that side so at the moment it's doing its job um, at the moment it is beneficial but butt with a massive butt if these species get out what harm is it going to do what competitiveness is it going to do i mean you look at feral hogs if they're going to start competing against the likes of our bush pig the likes of our warthogs i mean we can almost forget we'll have those species around if they do get out and this is something extremely concerning so you know with that being said is it still as beneficial as what we think it is uh i would my honest opinion i would much rather not have it than have it um but unfortunately it is it's become part of the dna in south africa it's become part of the dna across the world if you look at likes of texas i mean there's more tigers in texas at the moment than there are in in the wild which is which is a little bit scary so it's kind of giving that zoo effect now uh people are. Of breeding in captivity which is a little bit against my morals, ethics and values. However, you know, for some people there's a place for it. So yeah, that's 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 just where I sit with that point. Um exotics <sighs> I'm one for it at the moment, but with careful, extreme careful planning and management. The minute we drop our guard and we lose our focus on specific species we're looking for trouble and unfortunately it's not us who's going to suffer at the end of the day it's our wildlife and I'm all for preserving and conserving our wildlife so yeah just keep that in mind if you are coming over and you would like to shoot an exotic by all means um, just understand that it does take careful planning to manage those specific species but i'm sure i'm sure everybody across the world as far as the uk north america australia um, everywhere else is concerned i'm sure people are finding that out very very quickly and this is this is why conservation is so important ladies and gentlemen because you know without without education without knowledge um you know our guard can slip very very quickly well guys that's a nice little short and sweet podcast um i just felt it was out there we needed to discuss it um i'm not i'm not too you know i I don't want to get too involved there's some delicate numbers over there um as far as the knock-on effects concerned um some companies that have invested into pellets um and supplementation for specifically exotic animals and i don't mean to uh destroy their businesses or anything like that because uh, they're obviously just evolving as the times in South Africa have um, but if you do come over <clears throat> and you do fancy shooting yourself a nice access deer or hug deer or whatever the case may be by all means um, just understand that it's got, it's got to come from a good place and uh, you're doing your part for conservation so you can work in Africa and South Africa most importantly. So, guys, once again, just to close it off, if you guys would like to support my conservation efforts as well as this podcast, head along to www.phtoolbox.co.za. Head over to the PH Journals merchandise section, and there you'll find the PH Journals heavyweight crew T-shirt, the heavyweight women's PH Journals shirt, as well as PH Journals Africa. And if you guys would like to support me, as well as conservation and rhino poaching, go along, purchase one of those T-shirts, as a gift for yourself, for your family, whatever the case may be, and enjoy it. All proceeds will go to conservation as well as rhino poaching. Just a small way I can give back to an industry that has given me so much. Remember, shipping will be done in no less or no more than three days on these specific shirts. We've partnered with a distribution company across the world, North America, Europe, and Australia, and looking forward to seeing you guys in the near future. So, for myself, Dylan Love at PH Journals, I just want to say thank you to everybody that supported me. Once again, thank you to this week's podcast, to bear Stocko, Stanley, and Utando Safaris, as well as the PH Toolbox. If you are, happy hunting. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed, stay humble. We'll catch up with you guys soon. Cheers.